Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. My name is Christoph, minister to youth and families here at Faith, and with me today is Pastor Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Christoph. How's it going, man? It's good. This is take number three. I have already botched the intro two times, so. Well, this is the best take. It's getting better every time. <laughs> every moment. Actually, I think I'm going to turn you down while we're uh, in the middle of doing this, but uh, um, how are you doing today? I am well. I, I'm i having a good week. This has been great, and this morning, uh, Christoph, Christoph and I were talking as we started this podcast. This building is so quiet right now, and it's such a contrast from a couple weeks ago when we had the awesome VBS here all week, all the life and oh, that is true. running around, and it was so exciting. My brain, well, that was actually a week and a half ago. That yeah. wasn't even last week. It wasn't week. two weeks, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. It, it feels like it was last week, though, doesn't it? It does. Uh, you actually, I was going to ask you how you, were, how you were doing. I know it's, so we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, but Sunday you had a packed day. So we're going to talk about the sermon you preached, obviously, but uh, Sunday evening you hosted our youth Bible and barbecue, and it was an awesome night. Oh, my. I had such a good time. It was so fun to be with all the youth, and there were a, there were a good number of them there, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Normally in August, everyone's kind of like getting ready for school, like trying to get last-minute things in. So we, we've had like smaller attended Bible and barbecues, but this one was it was it was packed. There was so much going on. Did you have any highlights from it? I was curious, like anything that you were like, that was awesome. I love getting the... So one of my roles that night was grilling. So I'm at the grill and I'm grilling the burgers and I love doing that. And I really enjoy getting these one-on-one conversations with youth as they kind of filter through and they're, you know, they, they play basketball for a while, then they're playing spike ball, then they want a break and a drink of, you know, water, whatever. Yeah. And I just, I had some really good one-on-one conversations with people. It oh, you was did. just, awesome. a, it was a joy and it's fun to watch them all playing and having fun yeah. too. I think it may have been the most cars on my street um, that I've ever seen. Well, Our street you... isn't very long, yeah, right? And we're at yeah. the end of it. So that was really fun to see too, but that's kind of a, yeah, a side. I, I was immediately, one of my favorite things about doing Bible and barbecue is when we have consecutive locations uh, year to year, because I like, I, I just, I, I immediately flash back to memories of the previous year. And so when, when we got to your house and we were setting everything up and we got to the back where you had the grill set up and you had the chair set up, I immediately flash back to last year. This is just what came to mind is it, we were in a circle chatting, hanging out. We were talking like about Minecraft or something, something ridiculous like that. Um, but it just brought a smile to my face, remembering that, remembering that and seeing uh, the students who were here this summer and hanging out and playing games. And yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And your your little cul-de-sac was just packed full. Of, like you said, games. We had, at one point, we had basketball going, like a full-on basketball game, full-on spike ball happening, full-on frisbee happening. It was like, yeah, just awesome. Bocce ball was going on. Bocce ball. Kube was ready, uh, but we I don't think we I don't think it ever came out Kube. of the bag. No, we yeah. didn't need it. No, no. I don't think we've played that one. We There was one summer we played that a lot, and, and this, this has not been that summer. So I don't know. This this has been the summer of spike ball. Spike ball has been, if you don't know what spike ball is, there's like this little circular net that's probably half a foot off the ground. And then the ball, it's a small ball, probably about the size of a baseball, but it's rubber and they, they hit it. They just like slap the ball into the net. And if you hit it on the rim or if you hit it out of it, it's out. Uh, but there are some kids who have just gotten like super into spike ball and I, I can't do it. I've, I've tried um, I like to consider myself fairly capable when it comes to most like sport. I can figure it out, you know, like I'm not like an expert, but I can figure it out. And spike ball, I have zero coordination. I'm terrible. I just, I stay away from it at this point. It is a really, it's a quick reaction yeah. game, right? You yeah. got to 
like see where the ball's going quick, get over to it and not hit it too hard. Yeah. In the process. It's wild. Anyways, speaking of spike ball, you spiked the ball. Okay, that's a terrible transition. <laughs> I tried. Um, I was like, "What are what's coming next?" Yeah, I no, that was that was a terrible transition. But I was curious. So before all of that, you had um, you preached on on mm-hmm. Sunday, and we are we're, we're we are making our way through Acts, which I think we did. We we started Acts one all the way back in January, right? It's amazing. Yeah, this has been quite a year of getting to track how the gospel advanced, right? And how the church grew and disciples were made. And it's been beautiful to see it, to see, to me, the thing that's been so beautiful about it is you see the teachings of Jesus and his life lived out by other ordinary human beings Yeah, in these ways that are baffling and mind blowing. And Jesus just keeps showing up over and over as they follow him and they trust him. It's, yeah, it's been really this this year for me. I've never um, been part of preaching through a book, the Book of Acts, before, and it's been a joy to get to really sit in it and think about it and try to live it out. Yeah, I you know I've had the question a few times, like especially from youth, like why do we have to go through the same thing over and over again? Like why do we go through the same you know scripture? Once I read the Bible, don't I read it and kind of know it? And what has really stood out to me in in acts is just in that has just been disproven to me over and over and over again that the more you read scripture you realize how dynamic it is and how much god um really uses it um in different ways throughout the course of your life and i have just been so uh drawn to how the church has served and loved its community where it was and then how much god used that to spread the gospel like that really was like this this key marker of the gospel is just uh, the disciples went in, they, they radically cared for people, loved people. There were incredible miracles that happened. And then the gospel just, it just spreads, right? And it spreads in the midst of persecution. It spreads in the midst of um, just in, in ways that nobody would have expected. And we get to read that and we get to see it and we get to see how it happens. And, and I've just, I have loved it. So all that being said, we are in Acts chapter 17 and you have been tasked with kind of a, a, a two-parter, right? Yes. Uh, you have been tasked with, um, well, it's, are, are you doing the same passage then next week or are you doing so a different passage? It's basically the ministry to the Thessalonians is the right. theme of these two weeks. Right. So Acts 17 is the historical account of how did, what we did this last Sunday was how did the gospel come to these people and, and what happened there? And you get nine verses really yeah. of what actually happened in Thessalonica. And then you have these two letters, First and Second Thessalonians, which are actually some of our oldest letters, actually, in the New Testament. Yeah. It's interesting because the order of the New Testament does not indicate— It's not chronological. No, it's not at yeah. all. So, But we know that those are some of Paul's earliest writings. So I did a bit of it last week. There's going to be some overlap of First Thessalonians again, but this, this week will primarily be in those letters of okay. Lesson Acts. Yeah, and I love that because I, I think we sometimes read each of these books as kind of these separate things, not realizing that it's all this intricate story that's woven through. And when we're reading Acts 17, 1 through 9, we're recognizing this is kind of the context and the grounds by which First and Second Thessalonians is written. Exactly. It gives really interesting insight into what those people must have been going through, sort of interactions they must have had. Um, and so I love it. We've been doing this. We've actually done this now with two other letters. We did this with Galatians and with Philippians. What's sort of unique as you're approaching preaching in this style? A lot of times we approach preaching as we're going to take a section of scripture and preach this section, uh, but you're kind of tasked with how can I 
how can I preach not only this section, but also wrap in these two full letters yeah. uh, that are also in there? Can you kind of like, before we even get into the sermon, I'm just curious as somebody who also preaches every once in a while, what was it like kind of prepping a sermon like that? Yeah, well, for me, um, and you guys, people listening know by now that I my sermons are not super long. I, I actually very intentionally... So I knew that like going longer and longer and longer to cover more wasn't going to be an option, especially with all the kiddos in there, right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, so for last week and then especially for this week, you know, a few weeks ago, I started just reading and rereading First and Second Thessalonians. Some of you know, I think I showed one Sunday, um, I showed a word cloud of a different book. I can't remember what I was in at that point, but word cloud is like you take all the words in, in the letters and then um, a website will generate a cloud of words, like the top 25 words that are used. Right. And it makes um, words that use the most bigger. And so I did that. That was interesting just to see what is Paul, what words is he using over and over again, some key themes. Um, yeah, that's how I've been doing it. And then I just asked God, what is the most important stuff? Because we know when we're covering two of Paul's letters in basically two weeks, that you're not going to be able to exhaustively cover them. There's going to be a lot of things that you just can't cover um, because we could take months on both of those. Oh, for sure. Both of yeah. those letters. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing and asking him. And then as God, um, as I pastor people throughout the week in counseling sessions or in life, then I then I ask him, is this something that would help this person? Mm, I and, love that. And yeah, that's how I approach it. What I, what I love about it, too, is that this is a really healthy and good way for us to sometimes approach Scripture just in our personal devotion time. I think it's really easy to kind of end up getting chained to Bible reading plans, which are great. We love Bible reading plans. We've done them together as church. Yes. Um, so they're, they're awesome. But what we end up doing is we can get stuck in this rut of, well, my, my Bible reading time is going to be this chapter— and then this chapter, and then this chapter, and there are three different books or letters, and you read them, and you're just kind of like, okay, and you just kind of move on. And you approach uh, letters like First and Second Thessalonians, and these are these are letters that were written to a church, right? Full letters, and it's kind of a weird concept. Like I don't think you would, if you ever got a letter, you're at home. Maybe more relevant to 2022 is you got an email or a text message. Yeah, this would be emails. <laughs> yeah, emails. Uh, and you're like, okay, I'm going to read the first paragraph of this email today, and I'll read the second paragraph of this email tomorrow. And <laughs> You don't do that, right? Instead, you read the whole thing all the way through. And and I I really love that we've, we've taken some time to preach an, an entirety of a book, or at least the concept of an entirety of a book, um, because or a letter. Because that's that's what it is. It's a it's a full letter that was written to this people, and this is just a great tool to give to our church and a great great tool for anyone. Is you know sometimes it's really good for you just to sit down in your half an hour, fifteen minutes, hour, whatever amount of time you you've dedicated to spending time in God's Word. Use that to read an entire letter. Use that to read an entire um, book of the Bible. You know because ultimately. First Thessalonians, five five chapters, right? Yeah, five chapters. Five chapters. It doesn't take that long. No, I mean, we're talking ten minutes, fifteen minutes. If you're reading through that thing pretty quickly, and you could slow down, obviously, and take take time to write things out. But um, so I I love it. I think it's been great. So I'm curious now. You said the word cloud, right? You said you did. Yeah. So did you do a word cloud with First and Second Thessalonians? I did, and you're gonna ask me what was in it now. Um, well, I'm curious because you had 
one one of the things that stood out to me with your sermon is you really spent time, and this was kind of your one of your your big themes was Jesus as Christ. Yes, um, and you gave that story. It was so funny. You told this story about the student who came up to you and thought that it was like a last name. It was like, you know, it was Jesus Mary Christ. Yeah, it was Mary Mary Christ and yep. you know Joseph Joseph Christ. And you're like, well, no, that's a, a misunderstanding. It's actually his title. It was this was who he was. This was his title, his job description. This was um, kind of like how I introduced you as Pastor Jeff, um, Christ Jesus, Jesus yes. Christ. That's that's how how that works. And so what what was so what stood out to you that you felt like you really needed to hammer in on that of Jesus being the Christ? I, I think as I studied it and as I studied what was going on in Acts and then those letters, the the sovereign rule of Christ and his continual control and involvement with them despite their afflictions and their sufferings just kept coming to me. And and I wanted to make sure that it was very clear why why did them coming and preaching this gospel cause a riot? Like, yeah, the people were jealous of them, but what was it that was so inflaming them? It was so angering them. And this claim of Jesus as the Christ is is what it was. And it's like they were they just weren't on board with that. He was not the Christ um, to the Jews who were unpersuaded. And I think, you know, having grown up in the church myself and said Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, Christ, we use that that word all the time. I myself need a reminder, what is it that we're actually saying when we say that? And why is it so important and world-changing, world-shaking, really? Right, right. And yeah, so that that student's question of me that day was really an, an awesome conversation with him. At first, I had to make sure he was being sincere, um, and he was. <laughs> you know, he was actually yeah. really curious, and it's a very valid question, and I think probably one that, you know, if you're listening right now and you weren't asking that question, like that wasn't news, I bet your neighbor would, and I, think, I the coworkers. You know, I think it isn't it isn't common knowledge. What no, that means. I don't think. I think actually a lot of Christians probably don't even realize that. Which, you know, I don't think that's a bad. It's not like you open up your Bible and in the back it has a glossary of terms, and you're like, you know, yeah, Christ means this. So I think it can be one of those things where we just kind of gloss over it and we just go, oh, well, that's yeah, that's that's his name. Um, and unfortunately, we live in a society where that's even used kind of in a, a derogatory fashion yeah. where people have said that in um not so creative a way uh and so it gets it gets lost like the the power of it i remember i remember when i was in school um i went to school for biblical studies and in one of them was just this concept of christ and it just it rocked me because i didn't know i, I was i was that college student i didn't know that either i didn't realize that this was like a really really big deal that he was referenced as Christ. It was, yeah, we just look at it as a name, but this title was the title reserved for the savior of the world. This title was the title that was reserved for the one who would come and wash away the sins of the world. This was reserved for the king. Um, and to use it was no small thing. And and Paul uses it so often. Was it, was it one of, do you remember, is that one of the big ones? I think it was, I mean, it's definitely the, the term that if you just did a word cloud on the New Testament that you would see Christ. It's constantly yeah. coming up. Um, there's actually one um, New Testament scholar who has his own translation of the New Testament, and often he will replace the word Christ in certain in certain verses with the word king. King, okay. And it is interesting when you read a passage that you've read 
as Jesus's name and you put the title of king in there, it it does help sometimes to do that um, because you can see what Paul's writing about actually a function there and not just naming a person. He's talking about the sovereign king. Okay, so here's a question. Do you think, do you think, that's a, that's a really cool point, but do you think for your typical, you know, American, I, I don't think we have a lot of non-Americans listening to this podcast. Who knows, maybe we do. Um, your typical American living here in 2022, do you think the title king rings the way that it should ring in our ears because we don't we don't have a king um does that title really do a good job of encapsulating who jesus is and who he is meant to be in our lives that's a good question i think um like any other word like that it needs definition yeah because even even god as father doesn't necessarily mean what god as father really means for people Right. Based yeah. on, you know, what our experience of father was. Right. But yeah, I mean, we are the country that uh, said we aren't having a king. <laughs> yeah, right? right. I lived right. in Canada where they they were all about that. We had, you know, right down from our house there in Ottawa, we had the highway called the Queensway. Oh, there it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. right? And I remember that being very jarring and they have a crown on their license plate as well. Um, we are a country that does not lift up royalty in that way. But I do think the idea of sovereignty and maybe um, you could say for us, the, it's the equivalent of president. But the problem with using the term president is that the presidents have terms and they're chosen by people. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of other differences too, right? But but the Christ wouldn't have a term where he was done ruling. His rule would go on and on and on and on. And he wasn't picked by any human being. He was picked by God. So if you could say the president of God's choosing whose reign would never end maybe you're getting closer. Sure. Because so, there was a political element to it, right? Yeah. But kings were, you know, kings inherited their reign a lot of times from the other kings. And right. so Jesus the king is from David the king. That was part of the prophecy of who this would be. Yeah. And and he is. Yeah. yeah good I, question. No, well, and I think it's important because we do hear these different titles for God. And oftentimes we export our understanding of those titles onto. I remember getting yes. into a big debate when I was when I was 18, it was with my youth pastor, and we sat down. and It's funny because I asked him later on if he remembered this conversation. He didn't, but this this just this is one of those that stuck with me. Was uh, when you're praying the Our Father, can somebody who had an abusive father pray? But and they used an example of like, well, they had um, a, a fantastic math teacher who was just like they 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 fulfilled a lot of the role of what a father should be in their life, and they were so good. Could you instead pray the our math teacher who, who are in heaven, could you give that title to God? And he's, obviously we're just, you know, speaking in theory, I'm not encouraging anyone to pray to God that way. <laughs> um, and I remember debating that. And I, and I remember, I remember that just really struggling with that. And I think part of it is that this is, this is a part of what, what the gospel ultimately does is that the gospel doesn't just kind of, um, it isn't relative to us. Instead, what it does is it redeems the brokenness that we exist in and, and brings us to a uh, into a renewed, proper understanding of what that is. And so uh, for, for like father, for example, there are a lot of broken relationships with children with fathers. We have fathers who don't fulfill the role that they're called to fulfill. That doesn't mean that we scrap the title of father from God. Instead, what it means is, well, we actually use God as the standard and we recognize this is what a father is meant to be. 
uh, not, you know, we're not going to relativize who God is in the same way, uh, politically speaking, right? Like it's a good, I think it's just a good understanding for us to go, well, what should a King look like? And what should it look like for us as Christians to say that we do have a King and that is Jesus, uh, and, and not shy away from that. Right. Uh, cause I think it could be really easy, especially especially for Americans, because like we do have that culture. It's interesting you said that about the crown. I'm, I'm really curious now. Would you, would you say like the crown is, is as relevant? I've heard one time that we're kind of unique in that we really fly our American flag a lot, it, it, a lot more than a lot of other co- countries fly their flags. Is that kind of like Canada's flag is like they, they have the crown. So they have it on like their drivers, you know, uh, you said they, the license plate. Yeah, it's on, it's on license and, I would say, I mean, they fly their flag too. And I, you got to remember that we lived in their capital city. So okay, yeah. I, my experience of it is probably skewed from sure. what, because I saw a lot of a lot of flags, but that's what you'd expect, right? Yeah. When you're by parliament and things. Um, but yeah, really it is very different. I know that um, that's a, it's a funny cultural difference between the two places, the way we would approach that. It's interesting. I, back to what you were saying though, about father and uh, needing to redeem the concept yeah it it it, it ties into what they were accusing paul of in this like they they before the city authorities they're saying these men have turned the world upside down and they have now come here and they're saying there's another king jesus and you gotta remember from paul's perspective and from our perspective what paul was doing was setting the world right side up and these concepts of father and any kind of ruler, king, need to be redeemed and they need to be set right side up because in our world, the way things are right now, they are upside down. Right. And the challenge for us is that we only experience primarily the upside down nature of it. That's the way life just is. It's upside down. And so when we follow Jesus, one of the things I want to look at this weekend together is what does it look like to begin to, to realize the way things are upside down and to become a different kind of person in the middle of that where things are, we're being redeemed by Christ and, and on his ways. But I think those examples you gave are great ones because normally the idea of a king or any ruler having a term that doesn't expire is a horrible idea. Right. Because they're not good. There's always something, even the best, you know, rulers, human rulers, there's always something that needs replacing or changing, but not this king. Yeah. Right? He, his reign is so good and brings so much life to, the, to his people and to the world that the idea of him not reigning is the worst news you could imagine. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that we, we just that we read that all throughout Scripture, right? That exact, that exact truth. I love that. Um, all right, so I had, I had one other question that I really wanted to ask about this sermon. And I, I thought it was really interesting you pointed this out that so, so we know when, when we read scripture, maybe you didn't know this, so this is just kind of interesting, is that when, when Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians, he didn't write, okay, verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, this is chapter 1, this is chapter 2. We know that those were actually put in later just as reference points, um, but they're very useful reference points. And so we use them, we love them, they're, they're very helpful. But you pointed out that for whatever reason, when the reference points were being put in for First Thessalonians, the way that every chapter ended, ended with Jesus coming back. Yes. Right. And there, there's this theme through first and second Thessalonians about that. And I'm really glad that you didn't actually like go into kind of the thick of, of that conversation because that can lead to all sorts of divisive roads. But instead 
you talked about how this was one of Paul's main points was this not only the redemption, um, the, the redeeming of w- work that God is doing, but also the fact that he is eventually coming back, that that will actually be fulfilled. It will be completed mm-hmm. um, in, in Christ's second coming. Can you just talk about like that as like this really important theme for First Thessalonians? Yeah, I mean, I it, it's amazing when when you read it, if you would if you would read through first Thessalonians and second too and just take note of every time he he either says like the day of the lord or coming of the lord or return it's phenomenal how much it is in there probably more dense than any other place that i'm aware of that i've read recently yeah and i i really think the main reason he did that is to um focus their hearts and on this anticipation this hope that all the difficulty they're experiencing and then the sacrifice that they're making as they follow Christ, because it it was costly to follow him, is is not in vain, and that he they can count on him to return and do this thing, and that means that they don't take it into their own power to complete it. And I think that's the message for us today as well: that um, while our lives are to be lived in anticipation of that completion, there are a lot of things that um, we are not to undertake; that they're his to do. So, so for example, it would, it would encourage them not to respond to violence against them with violence, right. this early church. They right. just didn't do that. They didn't in the first century. And I think that's one of the reasons. They had their hope firmly fixed upon Christ, that he would return and that he would take care of that. But that wasn't their job to do it. So I love that. I yeah. love that. I love that you pointed that out. I, I thought that that was such an encouraging thing because I we can recognize the truth that God is redeeming us. We can even look back in the past and, and recognize just how far he has brought us and those around us along. Uh, but when we're in the middle of a part of that distortion, when we're in the middle of sin, whether it's just personal struggle, whether it's we're, we're witnessing the struggles that's going on around us, whether it's we're walking through it with someone else, it can feel really like you feel hopeless, right? It can feel you can go, okay, I, I know that you've done this in the past, but like I don't I don't I don't feel it right now. I don't feel that. And to to look to um to look to Christ's return is just this future hope of I, I know I'm not feeling it right now, but I know I know someday. Uh I know someday. And I have to imagine this kind of ties it all the way back in with Acts chapter 17. I know that we were talking last week about um verses one through nine, and we just had to imagine because we had to imagine that the Christians who lived in Thessalonica, like it, it had to have not been easy. No. They weren't they weren't as excited about receiving the gospel as the Bereans were, right? That was the whole point of Jay's message a few weeks ago, was that these were uh, there were there were people who were not happy about it. There were people who were pushing back on it. There was probably pretty intense persecution, and so I have to imagine that Paul's encouragement and Paul's direct like vision set on the return of Christ was this: Hey, there's hope, like. There's there's something hard going on right now, but but there is hope, and I and I love that. Yeah, it's interesting how the the solution or the maybe the solution is not the best word, but the best thing for us as followers of Christ is to always have our mind fixed on what is Christ doing, mm. like always. Yeah, and I think that's what he was doing there. Like, what is Christ doing right now? Well, he's reigning, he's king, and he will bring all this to bear. He will complete what he started. And it, to me, a life lived with our minds set on that, what is Christ doing right now, is a totally different kind of existence. It's, yeah. it's a radical, radically different way of living allegiance and faithfulness 
to Christ. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to part two uh, coming up this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, we'll see. All right, it's going to be great. Uh, it is going to be great. So I, I'm excited for that. Maybe we'll even get a chance to uh, get the podcast in next week, so we can dive a little bit more into it. If not, there will be a podcast next next week. You can always you know catch it here on your favorite podcast app. If you have any questions. Uh, you can send them in to us. We would love to tackle them, to wrestle with them. If you are listening to this right around when this drops, we have a couple of baptism Sundays coming up, which we are super excited about. If if you have not been baptized and you are curious about it, it's something every believer should do. It is something Jesus has called us to. Um, we'd love to baptize you. If you send us an email, connect at faithpeshtigo.com. Let us know how we can be praying for you, questions we can answer. Let us know if you want to join us for baptisms. Um, you can send it, send it there. But with all that being said, thank you so much for listening. And as you go, go in God's grace.